As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, Russell, remember me? Hey, Russell. Hey, how you doing? Russell, remember me? Yeah, swirly whirlies. Russell, remember dunking my head in the toilet with poop in it? Not so funny now. Oh, wait, why are you talking behind my back? Say it to my face. Oh, you got a video of me with my head covered in poop. Try to rub poop on me now. See what happens. No, try to rub poop on me. See what happens. I dare you. Rub poop on me. No, come on, rub poop on me. What, you don't want the smoke? Don't you coward out. Come on! Podcast listeners! This is a special episode for you. We've got a full squad here in the factory. Tass along with Skeets, Trey Lee, and of course, JD. We'll talk Kyrie and a whole lot of NBA rumors in a little bit. But first, we turn to an old friend to prep us for the NBA draft that takes place on Thursday, June 23rd. John Hollinger, of course, has seven years leading the Grizzlies front office. But more importantly, he watches every college international and G League player play basketball. <laughs> he even goes down to watch the OTE here in Atlanta, an alternative league to the NCAA or G League. Man, this guy does it all. We tried to get him in studio, but he's got so many deadlines coming up for the <laughs> athletic. He'll be live blogging the draft, I'm sure. He's so busy, so we thank John Hollinger for joining us. What's going on, John? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm just uh, sweltering in the dark here in the Atlanta heat, <laughs> just like you guys. That's what we do. All right. Let's just start right at the top of the draft, John. We've got our Sham Sharanya reporting that Auburn's Jabari Smith, a virtual lock to go in the top two in the draft, and he's only worked out for those two teams, the Magic and the Thunder. But according to Shams, he remains a favorite to go number one. So let's just get to the, the question everybody wants to know. Is Auburn's Jabari Smith going number one, John? I actually think there's a decent chance Chet Holmgren ends up being Orlando's pick. Wow. Uh, I just feel like the... The they story adds up. The story <laughs> adds up a little bit. That they they love length. They haven't like a lot of times by this point, a team will have kind of committed to a guy and and they haven't, which is I guess is a little unusual. Like that that Zion Jaw draft lottery, for instance. Like we knew two days after the lottery who the top two picks were going to be, um, and we haven't quite gotten to that point yet. So. Pardon me, I need more coffee. Uh, <laughs> it's a big week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I I think there's a decent chance Orlando takes Chet Holmgren. 
Amazing. But you have him out of your top three, right? Because consensus yeah. top three, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, and Holmgren, nobody necessarily knows which order, but you've dropped him to four and replaced him with Purdue's Jaden Ivey, who is becoming yeah. a darling of uh, these pre-draft write-ups. So why did you sub him in for Chet? I just think if you look at the past history of drafts that teams have overdrafted the center position and most of these centers, unless they really hit at a very high level, end up getting played either played off the floor or has seen their role reduced as we get deeper and deeper in the playoffs. So I I understand. I mean, Holmgren, he could be Rudy Gobert with a three point shot, right? Like that's his ceiling. So he could he could be he could he could turn out to be an awesome player. I just I I wonder about him like being being left on an island defensively like is he really is he really going to hold up you know in kind of that playoff switching environment or is he going to get exposed too and then offensively like he reminds me of miles turner more than kind of a big star uh he has more of a complimentary game like he can shoot he can handle the ball a little but he's not going to post anybody up uh with that frame of his and I don't think he's not like a super bouncy rim runner type either. He he can do that some, but so I that that's why I put him fourth because I see him more as a a starting center certainly and maybe even a very good starting center. But I think as you get to the to the deeper levels, like having perimeter talent counts for more. So Jaden Ivey. Uh, his ability to break teams down off the dribble and get wherever he wants. I, ju- I just think that skill set has has more value the deeper and deeper you go in a postseason. How does this year's draft, John, stack up to last year's uh, draft talent or depth overall, uh, if you were to compare the two? Because I'm a noob uh, when it comes to I, I think last year's draft is going to go down as being very, very good. Okay. Um, like almost on par with that 2018 class. Um so the, this year's I would not put in that caliber. Um, you know, three, four pretty good players at the top. Drops off fairly quickly after that. Um, like, I don't think it's a great draft if you're picking like seven through 15. I think it's your, you know, there are other years you could feel more sure about where you're getting. I think mm-hmm. this year you're throwing darts. Uh, you know, af- after that, I mean, 16 through 60, I think the draft is – pretty much the same every year. But at, the, at the, the top end, you look at the top 15 players, I don't think it's a particularly strong draft, no. And because of that, do you think we're going to see more trades than even normal on, on draft? Uh, we're, we're actually, so we're going to see a bunch of trades, not because the draft sucks, but because the free agents <laughs> suck. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's just not a lot of players out there in free agency who are A, a free agents at all, and B, gettable even if they are free agents and so um with with so few like starting caliber players in play teams are going to turn to trades to fill out their uh their lineups and get the pieces they want and i think the other thing that's happening is a lot of the teams that are in the lottery are not necessarily super patient right now and so you're looking at these teams like Sacramento, Washington, New York, who are like the Portland, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're talking about picks four, seven, 10, 11. Uh, and they're trying to get talent to win now. And so those picks are in play. 
who do you think is more likely to trade their pick, John, between the Kings and the Blazers? Because like you're saying, it's likely the Kings are going to have a little bit of pressure to make the playoffs here. The Blazers, as we know, have been in the playoffs for quite some time and then fell out last year after uh, Lillard went down. It seems like either of those picks could be in play just for adding veterans that are going to help eventually. Who do you see more likely actually making a move on draft night? I see it's I think it's more likely that Portland does. I, I I just think there's more potential avenues for them to do a trade. Uh whether it's a trade down or a trade entirely out uh to get a player. They're, they have that twenty million dollar trade exception. Mm-hmm. So they're they can do that pick for a player mm-hmm. and it's not complicated. You see Sacramento they have to match still match salaries and stuff if they you know if they trade the pick for a player so there's other things that get in the way so it gets it gets a little messy once you start talking about Sacramento I wonder about Sacramento and their position specifically positions on the basketball floor do they draft another guard is it possible that they have to guard, or draft I just, Jaden Ivey I just I just want them to see with all guards and all centers and then like no, <laughs> no forwards or yeah. threes at all. Like ideally they trade Harrison Barnes and there's just like a void between six, four and six ten on their roster. Yeah. That's that the ultimate fills. swerve right there, John. Everybody yeah. wants wings right now. The Kings are thinking next level. No, let's get ahead of the game. Just centers and guards. Just pure zag, no zig. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. It. Because Jaden Ivey could drop to them at number four. It'd be uh, you know, yeah. totally understandable. Yeah. Is there anything to be made of Ivy only working for, the team that's drafting one and five uh, in the Magic and the Pistons. Anything to be made of that? Uh, a little bit. I mean, he's tr- he's trying to guide where he's going to end up, and the players have done that in the past. Or you know, they won't release or they only release medical information to certain teams, or only work out for certain teams. I mean, that's definitely a thing that's that's happened in other drafts, and it tends to happen more at the top end of the draft. So this isn't necessarily unusual, especially I hate to say it for Sacramento. I mean, this has happened to them on multiple occasions before because players and ages don't want their players ending up with the Kings. And so uh, it's, it's not ideal, but I don't think it would preclude Sacramento from drafting him. The trade I actually wonder about, which makes all kinds of sense to me is the Pistons and Kings trading five for four and Detroit just, yeah, you know, put in a second or something like Mm -hmm. it. Cause there's a lot out there that, that suggests that maybe the Kings think Keegan Murray is a better fit for them and their roster and how they want to try to win this year. Um, and if that's the case, rather than draft Murray at four, we'll just take him at five. Cause you know, the Pistons love Jaden Ivy. And I think you have the threat that well, we'll trade the pick somewhere else if you don't deal with us. So, so they, they can make that plausible. And then the question comes, well, what, what's the, what's the sugar that, that Detroit's going to throw in to do that trade? Uh, it probably wouldn't be anything too crazy, but I, I'm just wondering about a five for four swap there. Mm. You know, John, uh, in the past, you know, mentioned things, say, for example, the Zion Williamson draft. He was the number one pick from a, from weeks out, months out, in fact. Yeah. But this year, it's not so clear. So, you know, those teams in second and third and fourth, how much do they try to find out exactly who the Magic are sort of leaning towards and going with? Like, how does that influence their sort of um, their approach to the draft uh, on the night? Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, we when we had the fourth pick in in 2018, that's that's what we were trying to do. We we're trying to figure out, okay, who's Phoenix taking? Who does Sacramento like? Uh, you know, what's what's Atlanta going to do? And it was really, it was a, it was very much a a influx. Uh, 
even, you know, until maybe a couple days for the draft where before we really had a good handle on like, okay, here's what's going to happen in front of us. And here's, here's what's likely to be there for us at, at four. I mean, you just sit there and you map out scenario. Now, fortunately, when you're that high in the draft, there's only so many scenarios to map out. Right. Right. But uh, you kind of map out each of the scenarios and think to yourself, okay, what will we do here? You know, if this guy's available, what does that mean? It's, you know, what is our trade up possibilities? What are our trade down possibilities? And then you're talking to other teams too, because we had, we had other teams talking to us at number four who we pretty much knew like they were saying they were interested in four, but they were only interested in four if one particular right. player got to four, <laughs> yeah. you know, and otherwise they weren't that interested. Yeah. And, and it wasn't the same player for everybody either. You know what I mean? But just the, it was, it was very specific on, on like, well, maybe this one scenario happens and then maybe we could trade up. And, you know, that was probably also the scenario where we weren't going to trade down, you know, <laughs> and you're usually the boards are pretty similar between yeah. teams, you know, but but you've Whatever. only got five minutes too, don't you, to make that choice sometimes. So in that scenario- You better, yeah, you better have all your homework yeah, done before yeah. those five minutes on the clock start. So yeah, it, absolutely. in that scenario, is it um, the general manager or is it the owner? Is it the president? I mean, who is the one who finally in that pressure moment, it's like, all right, we've got this guy or this guy. We're going with this guy. Who, who, who usually gets that final say? So, I mean, the GM is making the final call in the draft room, but he's- any GM, especially with a high pick like that, you yeah. know, it's like some importance to the franchise. Like he's mapped out the scenarios with the owner, right? right. Like he's just not like he's 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 not just going off his own script. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty stage managed thing by that point. You you know that's why you know we spend all this time doing workouts and interviews and all this stuff. I mean, it's there's there there are a lot of long meetings in the weeks mm. leading up to the draft um, about, you know, if X, then Y, so that in those five minutes, you, it's just, you know, it's it's not even something to think about. Right. right. You mentioned that on draft night, you got to have your homework done ahead of time because you only got five minutes. You got to have your script and you got to be able to make a call. So that makes me think like, what is a team like Indiana going to be doing? Because they've allegedly been shopping Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner, which has kind of been the case for the past two seasons. They made the trade for Halliburton last year. They've got the sixth pick. It feels like they could go either way, trying to get back to the playoffs, which the Pacers usually like to do, or going for a straight-up youth movement and starting to rebuild. How hard is it to like walk that line on draft night where you're kind of deciding the future of your franchise? Are we going to try and win this year, or are we going to try uh, and get a good draft pick for next season? Yeah, Indiana has so many balls in the air right now. Um, I, I, I I do think they're leaning more toward trade Turner, trade Brogdon. I know this is the 36th time that we've heard Turner and trade rumors, <laughs> but I do, I do feel like it's a little more serious this time. Um, and the, that the Pacers kind of want to go younger, build around Halliburton, number six pick, and whatever else they can get you know, in, in return for Brogdon and Turner and roll with that. I, I, that is the sense I get for, for where they are headed. They also have 20 million in cap room. I think, you know, that nobody's really talking about this, but like if they trade one of Brogdon or Turner, then they have enough cap room to make a run at miles bridges, which I, I think is definitely a thing they would probably pursue. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, 
They're they're also doing stuff with pick thirty one, by the way. But that's like the the seventh most important Pacer thing going on. So no one's talking about <laughs> no, it. That's the real big Pacer summer. stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is your and maybe it's someone at the thirty first position? But who's your sleeper or sleepers in this uh, draft? John, I mean, we know the big names. Again, uh, we're we're um, sort of noobs when it comes to the draft. We're not watching a lot of college basketball, but we know, of course, the big stars and the guys that are going to go one, two, three, and all that. But like, who do you have on your sleeper board that we should be like watching for on Thursday night and might surprise people? Yeah. So a uh, guy who could go probably as high as number seven is Dyson Daniels, who played this year for Jimmy. Yes. Good night. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't uh, in the NCAA. Right. Uh, th- probably the one red flag is that he's Australian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always a worry. <laughs> Giving everybody nicknames with Y's at the end. <laughs> okay, so you could exactly. see him going as high as seven. You said so. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I really liked him when I watched him. I mean, he's he's he can handle the ball. He's got good size. I think he's his background really checked out really well. Honestly, um, uh, you know, even though he probably uses a bunch of funny words like Lee does, um, he he really he he really. I mean, he he plays hard. He plays the right way. Um, I made a really good impression on people. Um, he, uh, has, has a good floater game, good defender, not like a crazy explosive athlete and he needs to get better as a shooter, but I think a lot of people like him. And I think even if it's not Portland picking at seven, um, I, I've heard that if Portland keeps the pick that Daniels might be their guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if they trade that pick, I think other teams are looking at Daniels also. Interesting. Uh, any other sleepers, maybe, um, or that's sort of been skyrocketing up the board? So, as of late? Uh, let's see here. I mean, I, I like Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to end up somewhere in the lottery, like somewhere between maybe like nine and twelve. Uh, good defender. Uh, to, you know, has has the potential to get a lot better offensively. Uh, and then my way out of left field guy is Josh Minot from Memphis, who I think most people are projected in the second round. Uh, I, I think he's a real sleeper. I think he could be a good player. And tell us about him for those, again, like myself. that have. Yeah, I mean, he didn't is. play that much for Memphis this year, but when he did, he was really good. Um, he's a good passer, uh, pretty pretty active, uh, long-arm defender, fouls a lot, uh, you know, has to get better as a shooter, like just kind of a raw player. Right. Uh, but as a combo forward who can – who can switch, can handle the ball a little, uh, has pretty good feel for the game. I think there's a lot of potential there. Let's talk about one mystery man because that's such an intriguing story. Shaden Sharp of Kentucky, a 6'6 swingman, some Canadian content. He's Canadian, but he didn't Mm -hmm. play the entire season for Kentucky, and he opted to jump into the draft, and he's projected to be a high lottery pick. What's the story there? Yeah, I mean, he was number one. He was number one ranked player in his high school class, and they thought he would come out. They thought he would play college this year and then be in next year's draft, and he reclassified. Uh, but he came in kind of late, and originally the plan was for him to spend like a, a gap year almost on Kentucky's bench and never play in the games and then and then play for Kentucky for real next year. And then he kind of skipped the second part when, you know, <laughs> he realized he'd be a top 10 pick anyway, I think. Uh, I've actually – I've seen him, quote, unquote, play um, – I uh, watched him work out before the uh, game against St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he, he, I mean, he can, he can really shoot. Uh, so th- that part's going to check out uh, by all accounts, like good athlete, decent size. Like he's probably more a two than a three. Um, 
you know, my uh, my buddy that I wrote the article about for the Athletic, the chair, uh, yes. he, he worked out against him. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, well, so is he going to get dropped I, at the chair? Yeah, I heard the chair is going in the second yeah. round. Yeah. He's wait. He's yeah. waiting for the call. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm hoping he can maybe get a summer league invite this year. Yeah. But we just got to see. Hey, who uh, whose stock really rose after the combine this year? Because uh, I, I know that Nikola Jovic. Uh, his name was talked about a lot. I mean, can a guy really like climb up the board from just showing, you know, he's got the good skills and things like that without necessarily playing? Like it's just he's got good length and good athleticism and things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jovic. I mean, I think for some people who maybe hadn't seen him overseas, you know, he was able to to work out uh, against my buddy the chair again, um, <laughs> and and, and fr- in front of executives. So that that may have helped him. A little bit. I'm. I'm not really sure on him because I've heard. I've heard mixed feedback um, about. You know. I think some people like him more than others. The guy who really rose at the combine was Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch him on tape with Santa Clara. Um, I actually was watching another team for another player, and I'm like, who is this guard on Santa Clara? He's huge and he's making plays and stuff because uh, he was basically playing point guard, uh, even though he's probably like a three in the NBA. Uh, has a good handle, good shooter. Uh, I think he's just a good, solid all-around player. I don't know if I see, like, star potential with him, but I think he's a guy when you get into that 13 to 20 range that a lot of teams are looking at, and he really rose very late in the process. Are there any player types uh, that you're noticing seem to be rising up draft boards this year? Because I'm thinking like, you know, when Draymond first kind of came on the scene for the Warriors, everybody started looking for a super versatile, maybe small ball five sort of defender. Or after the Spurs had success with Boris Diaw, you need a big playmaker, things like that. Is there like a body type kind of out there that teams are looking for now, having seen success in the NBA? Uh, six seven wings. Six, yeah. seven, that, that, yeah, that's what time. everyone's looking for. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, that's why. But... That's why Benedict Matherin is is going to go as high as he does. That's why Dyson Daniels is moving up. Um, that that's why J- I think Jalen Williams has moved up. Uh, I think that's why you're going to see somebody take a flyer on Usman Dang uh, from from the New Zealand ba- Breakers, uh, originally from France. Uh, even though he didn't have a great year, uh, just just because he fits that, you know size length everyone's looking for small forwards all the time Mm -hmm. and you can you can play five of them at the same time almost the way the nba is going so you you can almost never have too many so i that that's if there's a type that teams are looking for that is absolutely it unless you're the kings i suppose (laughs) yeah exactly none of them exactly they're just yeah, yeah all kings no wings well, so oh, kings, all oh, kings, no wings. Oh, he loves it. Oh my god, you hit on something. <laughs> That's gonna be a headline on the athletic tomorrow. <laughs> written oh, by totally. John Holland, yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody tweeted in last night when I said you were coming on the show, John. Uh, Nick wanted to know. He's sort of flipping it on its head because we're always asking about sleepers or who do you like in the top ten. Nick wanted to know who's a player you don't think is worth the consensus projected pick someone that maybe you're not as high as it is it chet holmgren is it somebody else johnny davis from wisconsin okay Uh, i i just i just don't think he's gonna be what he would need to be offensively to justify a top 10 pick um so i i that's one i struggle with okay uh i think uh usman dang i i think has gotten a little overrated people have gotten ahead of themselves on that one uh O'Shea Agbaji from Kansas would probably be the other one uh, where I, like, I see him more as like a second rounder, maybe back end rotation guy 
he had, could end up going in the lottery. Uh, John, so, you know, obviously every year you want the number one pick. Every franchise wants it. But in a year like this, where there isn't mm-hmm. the Zion Williamson, there isn't that, like, absolute lock, is it okay being two and three where you're like, you might you might luck into Kevin Durant? I mean, you might get the Kevin Durant there at number two. Or do you just say, no, I want to have first choice no matter what? Yeah, I think you'd still rather have have first choice. I mean, that, that Durant draft was interesting because it was, you know, it was Odin and Durant all yeah. year. And then yeah. everyone was like, well, you don't want to be number three. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, number three ended up being Al Horford, yeah, right? All right. He, yeah. He turned yeah. out okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but there's yeah, a lot of pressure, it, though, isn't there, on Orlando to make sure that they they don't, in two years' time, go, man, they left this guy and this guy on the board and they in took... Some ways, in some ways, like, Houston is really in the low-stress position, yeah. right? Because everyone perceives a top three and Houston's just going to take the third guy, right. basically. Right. right, and then that guy's right. going to be pissed that he went third. It's like the best of both worlds. It's like, I'm better yeah, than those true. other two guys, that's so true. he's already got that going for him. Uh, well, let's put your feet to the fire here. Let's make some predictions. One through five on Thursday night, John. How's it going with the Magic, then the Thunder, then the Rockets, then the okay. Kings, and then obviously the Pistons, though you say there could be some movement there, especially between uh, Detroit and Sacramento. But how's yeah. this going one through five in, in your mind on, on Thursday? I'll say Holmgren goes first to Orlando. Okay. I'll say the second pick will be either Smith or Holmgren, depend, whoever Orlando doesn't take. Okay. That's who Oklahoma City will take. There's been a little bit of muttering that they might like Jaden Ivey too, but I think that's more like if they try to move, jump in from 12 and uh, and move up that way. I don't think they're taking Jaden Ivey at two. Uh, three, Houston will take Paolo Bancaro. Okay. Four, the fourth pick, regard. I don't know which team will make the pick. The player will be Jaden Ivey. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I think Keegan Murray goes fifth, uh, although there is a little bit more noise that maybe Benedict Matherin could be that pick mm. for Detroit. He's Canadian as well, isn't he? Benedict. Is that yeah, right? I wouldn't know. Yeah, Do I have yeah. that right? I think he is. He is he is he is of Haitian extraction, right. but I think his pa- I think he has a Canadian passport. Yeah, there. yeah, I think that's mm. I think that's correct. All right, I'll be cheering for him then you, on Thursday night. Teaching us so many things, John. I want to thank you for everything, including letting us know via your top 75 draft board that Julian Champagny is Justin Champagny's twin brother. Oh, there you wow. go. <laughs> Incredible stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm interested in that. And uh, one last question for you. It might be a little unfair. It's coming from a stream teamer who's watching you on YouTube. Bill Malarkey says, why is Hollinger listening to a portable Walkman circa 1996 with those headphones? <laughs> what jams do you got on right now in your cans there? It's, it's, it's the only way I can listen to my uh, to my cassette tapes of Queensryche, okay? Oh, wow. hey, hey, man, 96 was a good draft. Maybe, maybe that's, that's why you're, you're rocking them there. Well, we will see your work all week uh, this week on The Athletic, including yep. the uh, – the live blog. Are you working during the draft on the live blog, John? I imagine. Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah. Me and, me and, it's going to be me and Sam Vicini oh. partying all night long. Oh, nice there you one. go. It's a perfect companion to the draft. So thanks a lot, John. Uh, we'll be reading your stuff all week. Appreciate the time. As always, we'll get to uh, some Kyrie talk after the break. More Kyrie talk and uh, lots of <laughs> NBA rumors, plus the Warriors parade. So stay tuned. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, back with the boys here in the Classic Factory. Thanks again to John Hollinger with The Athletic for uh, jumping on, talking about the NBA draft. Shout out to the stream teamers. Make sure you like and subscribe and comment away as you are already. Okay, we got some news and notes here. Yeah, we got to talk about Kyrie. Uh, <laughs> we sort of teased about talking about it on yesterday's uh, show, but that Shams article had dropped right before we went live. But Shams writes this. Let me just read this part to you. Okay, Kyrie Irving has a June 29th deadline on his 36.9 million player option for the 22-23 season. However... Multiple sources tell The Athletic that conversations about Irving's future have gone stagnant between him and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, An impasse currently exists among the parties that clears the way for the seven-time All-Star to consider the open marketplace. Here we go again with Kyrie. Here we go, Trey. Um... Is Kyrie done in Brooklyn? Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. What's going on? Oh, I love an impasse. <laughs> oh, I hate when those negotiations get stagnant. This is Kyrie Irving, so who knows? <laughs> Literally impossible. As soon as this report came out, he tweeted a gif of Brother hmm. Muzon smiling. Yeah. <laughs> no clue how to even interpret that. Yeah. I was like, what is, what is this supposed to mean? Uh, but basically what it comes down to is the same thing it's come down to for Kyrie Irving and the Nets. The Nets want him fully committed to the team next year. They're probably hesitant to give him a long-term deal. Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report today reported that the Nets want to give Kyrie a shorter-term incentive-laden agreement that includes benchmarks such as games played, which makes sense yeah. if you're the Nets. Yeah. From Kyrie's perspective, he's 30 years old, so he wants security. And when he's on the court, he's been an all-NBA level player. He's been incredible since playing for the Nets, but he's had a lot of reasons not to play for the Nets. Played 103 games mm. in three seasons. Wow. My guess, though, is that he does begin the season in Brooklyn. Uh, Alex Schiffer over the Athletic broke down four scenarios, and it basically comes down to Kyrie can decline his option and leave for nothing, but the teams he's interested in basically don't have cap space. The Nets can also offer him the most money, the most years, and they don't want to lose him for nothing. So kind of all parties involved want something to happen uh, rather than just Kyrie leaving, I would think. Uh, Then you go into the trade scenarios. A Knicks trade, probably pretty unlikely, unless R.J. Barrett is included, in which case, why are you including R.J. Barrett? It's the, the Lakers. Knicks. So no. It is the Knicks. <laughs> they haven't been as Knicksy since yes, Leon Rose no, takes it. Yeah. But we're all waiting for it. We're yes. all waiting for that next yes. Knicksy move. The Lakers, Westbrook trade is literally hilarious. Like, couldn't be a funnier possible trade to have Kyrie and LeBron reunite and KD and Westbrook reunite. Right. Seems unlikely. The Clippers trade, that's rumored, Norm Powell, Morris, Kennard, Mann, Jackson, Covington. Holy crap. That's interesting for Brooklyn, I do think, just because it rebuilds their rotation like this. Mm. Suddenly, they have the Clippers rotation. <laughs> right. <laughs> but do the Clippers want to roll forward with Ka- Kawhi, Paul George, and Kyrie Irving? Ooh, ooh. I, I mean, they're all healthy for about 60 games yeah, yeah. as well, say. so I don't know about that one. Okay. Kyrie could sign for the max. 
Does not seem likely <laughs> at all. Or he can sign his player option this year, go into free agency next year, which is kind of what I think happens. Maybe it extends the trade window. We saw this year the Sixers brought Simmons in, knowing he probably wasn't going to play for him. The Nets had Harden around for quite some time, knowing he wasn't going to be completely committed to them uh, during the middle of the season. So it keeps the team competitive, and it maybe just extends the chance for better offers to come forward, just the way things happened with Harden and Simmons last year. So I think Kyrie's still going to be a net uh, at the beginning of training camp at the beginning of the season next year. Yay. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be very cool. Uh, what do you think, Taff? Well, if I'm the Nets, I, I can't just sign him to a long-term deal, especially because they have Ben Simmons sitting there. Remember him? I mean, he is such a question mark himself. So it's sort of like what Trey brought up with the Clippers. Do you want to have multiple question marks on your roster? I, I think Kyrie is, yeah, kind of... Uh, screwed because Ben Simmons is also on the roster. I, I don't think they go forward with two monster deals. Ben Simmons is making thirty between 35 and 40 uh, for the next three seasons. How can you put Kyrie beside him when Kyrie yeah, hasn't been there uh, because of injuries? Obviously, COVID is an issue, uh, was an issue, and maybe that's not fair to him. It doesn't necessarily mean that's going to change in the future, but uh, they also were just bounced in the first round. <laughs> they they had a great game one against the Boston Celtics. Uh, they lost at the end, and then the team just shut down. So how do you go forward paying those same guys for multiple years? Uh, it, it does make sense what Sean Marks is saying. I, I don't know what um, Kyrie Irving's tweet meant, but uh, he also said at the, <laughs> at the end of the year that, you know, we're going forward uh, – uh, as leaders of this team and as leaders of this franchise, like he put his name in the same breath with Sean Marks and the ownership. So, yeah. and, and now he's talk, and now he tweets these things. Like it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I can see it was Sean Marks said uh, that they wanted as a franchise to go back to that sort of, we're all working together. We're all, you know, hard at the grind doing that kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's a mess. If, Ky if Kyrie doesn't want to sign, an incentive-based deal, and he just wants to sign a max deal. I mean, it's an impasse, baby. I mean, oh, that, it's an I, that's an impasse. That that is two <laughs> two different ideologies, two different thoughts. So I can understand the word impasse being used here. And I think Kyrie uh, is not getting the vibe that other teams, because a lot of them don't have the space anyway, that that max deal is out there if he opts out immediately now. So I think he realizes like to get the most money, he does have to be traded and then potentially a team can sign him. So you don't think the Knicks would bend over backwards <laughs> to try and create the cap space, uh, cap space to sign Kyrie to uh, a max contract? Probably not. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they would like they to They could have get there. I know yes, Fred Katz yes. had a great breakdown yes, on the they, athletic. They I mean, could. it takes a lot of work to it's get there. Fournier and Burks yeah. and guys like that. And, and then that means you're including draft picks yeah. to get off those contracts and yeah. opening up the room. Yeah. And so if you're the Nets, it's like maybe we can do something with those assets. Potentially, there's not much yep. out there, but at least you move on there from Kyrie. But uh, I mean, if you're the Nets, if you're Sean Marks and, and Joseph Side there, for sure you're saying we'll give you a decent contract, but you have to agree to these things. And if Kyrie's like, I'm not agreeing to any of those things, then why would they sign into anything else? Yeah. I mean, like Trey mentioned, 103 games, and then in the playoffs last season, he had a really good game one. Kyrie had 39 points, awesome fourth quarter, nearly won them the game. Yeah. He had 46 points the rest of the series, and that was even that was like a 
glorified 46. He was not engaged the rest of that series. So he kind of checked out. And uh, and that's the thing with Kyrie is like when he is on, when he really is focused, like he nearly took Brooklyn to win uh, in that game one. He was awesome in the fourth quarter, but that was really the only time he gave it his all in that uh, in that series. So you like the idea of the Nets, Sean Marks, the organization, sort of digging their feet in a little, little bit and saying, okay, come on, we're not going to be pushovers every time you want something or you want to go your way. We have to have a bit of a backbone here. Well, they've got some leverage there for sure. They're, yeah. they're, well, I don't know what leverage Kyrie really has. No, well, outside of, I guess, Durant. That's, yeah. an, that's an interesting part of this whole thing. Yeah. Where does Durant, how does Durant feel about his buddy Kyrie? The speculation. If you piss off him, yeah. then you're in trouble. But yeah, I mean the speculation that what what Kevin Durant's position is going to be, but we don't know until we no. see exactly what they do there. But uh, yeah, the Nets. Are, I think the Nets are saying, listen, we want you to be the player we know you can be, but you have to do these things. And Kyrie seems to be like, no, I'm not agreeing to anything. That's what it sounds like based on the reporting here. Maybe Kenny Atkinson denied the Hornets job because the Nets are going to promise him a rebuilding lineup without Kyrie, without Kevin Durant even. <laughs> what a rumor. That's not true. But uh, they were sort of leaning or trying to go go back to that Kenny Atkinson era where everybody's playing for each other. And uh, this With is Kyrie Splitsville there. already. No, he was after that. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, we will wait and see. It's Kyrie. I mean, this the news will change oh, yeah. in 24 hours, and there'll be another tweet or another leak to whoever from his camp and whatever. I mean, look, yeah. What were the teams he was interested in? The Knicks, the, the Lakers. Clippers, and the yeah. Lakers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, Mine, which again, is perfect for Sean Marks because he, he can't go there just of his own right. free will really? and get yeah. big money. He could if he wanted to sign some sort of Would you deal. put it past Kyrie Irving? This is the crazy part. To, like take the most insane discount to go play wherever he wanted. You know? So opt out of the 36 or whatever. Yep. And uh, then go sign with, I don't know, the Knicks or whoever he wanted to play with for five million. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think he would do that. I don't think so. I but don't think so either. Yeah. But if any NBA player would do <laughs> yeah. that, you'd probably say yes. it could be him. Because he Ricky, looks at things a little differently. A Ricky Williams situation. I guess. I mean, Ricky Williams walked away, but, you know, almost walking away. That'd be nuts. Giving up okay. 30 to 40. Woo. What do you think the Brother Moves On tweet meant? Oh, what man. could that have possibly meant? He just smiled. He just smiled uh, by offense. It, it's got to be him and Durant. <laughs> know something that <laughs> the rest of the world doesn't. It's Brother Moves On. He's smarter than everybody else. Right. Uh, right, right. Like, he's got knowledge that other people don't have. So, he, mean, don't so he is reacting to the Shams news of it all? And, like... The Shams news is interesting because it was... <laughs> I don't think it was coming from the Nets. Let's no, say that. No, My no, gut that's, says Shams was getting this information it. from Kyrie or Kyrie's camp. No? No, 100%. That's yeah. what I mean. So it's like, I think he knew, okay, it's coming out now. Yeah. Now it's time to tweak that gif. <laughs> Wasn't uh, Brother Muzan was like, he was a bit of a mercenary character, right? Like he would come in from out of town mm-hmm. to uh, going town. From, from, you know, city to city performing his jobs. Does that mean anything? Oh, geez, maybe. <laughs> you think he was the smartest one, huh? Yeah. He was the most well-read, I think, of everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great library. That's a good point. Great library. Uh, Tidy mean, dresser. He also had street smarts. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I'm personally Marlo. I think Marlo is the smartest. Because he, under- he understood where he was in the game. Man. Everybody was trying to get out of the game. Marlo lived the game. Hell yeah. Uh, Marlo lived it. All right. Mm. Let's hear everybody's thoughts on See, all Marlo of this tried stuff. to get everybody else out. He tried to get the, the, the old heads out. As well, he tried to take oh, over yeah, the game yeah, yeah, as yeah, the young. Yeah. So yes, yes, indeed. I'm just trying to read it. Maybe you should have tweeted Marlo instead, <laughs> trying to get rid of 
Sean Marks. He wants to be the owner. It's, it feels like he wants. <laughs> Joe Sy, what's up? Yeah, give me ownership. All right, let's let's put Kyrie to bed here for a second. Uh, besides Kyrie, here's my next question. What was the juiciest tidbit from Sham's inside pass uh, that he posted yesterday, which had a lot of like rumors about other players and other teams' interest in those players? What was what jumped out to you besides yeah, Kyrie, obviously? A lot of rumors, and I feel like they have a lot of oxygen because. Of the free agency crop and John Hollinger, who we just had on, yeah, also you know, fan those flames as well. It feels like there's a lot of chatter out there that teams want to be able to dictate their future but with trades because, again, there's just not great free agents out there. So mm-hmm. let's do it now. And I'm buying a lot of these. Here in Atlanta, mm. John Collins has been rumored to be dealt for a long time. Where that is, I don't know. But it sort of makes sense even with what – the the direction that teams are going wings big wings and john doesn't necessarily fit that he, he's also not a shot blocking center so it's it's an interesting one for sure uh and it's staying in atlanta the minnesota timberwolves want clint capella apparently and i know that's not the juiciest of names but it, it gets pretty interesting that you would play clint capella alongside a carl anthony towns uh, a shooter and and Carl Anthony Towns would I guess if we're doing the All NBA ballots again that he probably wouldn't be a center anymore uh, <laughs> if Clint's beside him and it makes sense because uh, the Wolves ranked dead last in defensive rebounding last season. Clint Capella sucks him up. Uh, that's that via Dane Moore and you know, sticking with the the bigs and the rebounding. We talked about the Pacers and Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner a thousand times and it feels like. They're going the young route. They just traded for Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think they want uh, Brogdon and Halliburton long-term, and it just feels like that is actually going to happen because they have the number six pick. So, so much juice. Yeah. feels like there's going to be some trades. It does feel like the Pacers are not far away from making a move, be it Brogdon going out or Turner going out mm-hmm. or both of them going out. Uh, I know um, the Knicks and the Wizards with their picks being linked to the Pacers a lot there and the idea of maybe getting Brogdon, bringing in a point guard. Um yeah, what do you think about the? Uh, well, what do you think about anything that Tass said there, or anything else from that article? Well, the Hawks last season, remember, Travis Schlenk basically said we didn't make any moves and we should have, and it feels like they're not going to make that mistake this season. They're yeah. in fact going to make basically everyone apart from Trey and DeAndre Hunter apparently available. And the John Collins one is interesting because put me down as a John Collins standstill. I, I think like he's him? really yeah. good, especially in the playoffs. I think he, he's very, very good. He was great last season uh, in that in that long run that they had, but I also think that maybe he's not quite the right fit there now during the regular season because his numbers have slowly just sort of dropped off. He was 20 and 10 there for a couple of seasons uh, in Atlanta, but now he's sort of coming back a little bit. So I think they're trying to look, he's a young guy, he's under, he's got a pretty good contract, five years, 125 million. That's that's very movable. And I think there is going to be a lot of interest in him because he can shoot the three. He can be an impactful player without necessarily having to touch the ball. So maybe a new role there for him. And, and, and Capella, it sounds as well, they're trying to find some a home for him because I think they are going to make a run for DeAndre Ayton somehow. Exactly. Could how be they, John Collins. Yeah, that's a thing. They've got Mark Stein, I believe, uh, in his uh, newsletter, yeah. has said James Jones has yeah. always been enamored with John Collins, and maybe there is a sign. So, and then yeah, then with some draft picks or whatever, you can make something like that happen. So, I think the Hawks are, are almost certainly going to make a, uh, a a fairly significant move here. Uh, over the next few days. And then Stein and, I believe, Jeremy Wu of SI uh, said, keep an eye on the Blazers maybe making a move for a John Collins-like with that number seven pick. Um, also a possibility, I guess. Sounds like he's gone, Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like the Hawks are probably going to have a completely new front court, which is quite the change-up from the way we've yeah. seen in the past. Because, I mean, if they trade Capella and John Collins, is it going to be like 
Gallinari and Okongwu are their starters. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe should have made the moves last year. And it'll be interesting to see if Collins ever gets back to playing like he did in the playoffs because that was his contract year. So, I don't know. Uh, Collins is good. But that's why I think the Hawks are kind of interested in trading him because you can upgrade, no doubt about it. The Hawks have a lot of good guys. They need a second great guy alongside Trey Young. The most juiciest tidbit to me, though, is that the Hornets may be hesitant to match a max offer sheet for Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges last year, 20 points per game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 49 from the field, 33 from 3. Not as great as his 40% uh, in the 21 season, but he's just 24 years old. He's eligible to sign a deal. That would pay a max of $131 million over four years. Probably not worth that, I don't really? think, Miles Bridges. But he could be. Uh. He's young. And the main thing for the Hornets is they would have no way to really replace mm. him. Uh, and as he goes further into his career, we'll see how he goes improvement-wise. But he should still be a player that's kind of in demand, being a 6'7 wing like we just heard about yeah. with John He's 24? Hellinger. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the Hornets are... I mean, if this is true and they don't want to give them this, I think it's silly. You're the Hornets. Like, they got to. Yeah, they got yeah. to. Um, because there are teams that could be interested. Jake Fisher yeah. mentioned the Pistons and the Pacers both should have cap space. And, like, he's young. He's still going to be on that same timeline for young teams. And he's a really nice fit alongside LaMelo. So maybe this is just a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, Miles Bridges' agents is trying to drum up some interest from other teams to try and get that max deal because it seems unbelievable to me that the Hornets would just draft him, develop him, yeah. then he gets paid and you let him go. Right. And when he turned into a 20-point-per-game scorer and does other things... 20-point-per-game ain't what it used to no, be, it's unfortunately. He's a bit of a two-way player, too. I don't think he's He's a, a bit of a John Collins, I think. Pretty mm, good. Okay. Where would you rather? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, a Jalen Brown light. <laughs> Quite light. Yeah. Quite light, yeah. but... You know, give him more time. Maybe you can turn into that. Yeah, I, I, I think they. He's have a good to, player. Though. They should definitely keep him. But we'll see. Uh, anything else from uh, that article or any other rumors you uh, want to address here? No, I mean, uh, d- definitely teams are like got good players like this, and they're like, is John like would John Collins make the Hornets better? Would would Miles Bridges make the Hawks better? Like, probably not significantly. They're probably a bit of a wash in that sense. But maybe in a new situation, something like that could uh, help those players. Uh, well, something else happened yesterday. In addition to all the trade rumors flying around in the Kyrie news, we had the Golden State Warriors championship mm. uh, parade. I'm not sure how much you guys caught of this. Maybe you saw a lot of just the uh, the social clips going around the Twitters and stuff like that. Did you have a favorite moment, though? I feel like there was like a million I things know. happening at this parade. It looked yeah. like one hell of a party, I gotta yeah, say. Like, yeah. If you're a Warriors fan and you were there in San Francisco, that looked like a good time, great weather. Uh, but... You have a favorite moment? Uh, I mean, pretty much anything Clay did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and and you know, it started off great for him because uh, his hat blew off on his boat on the way to. Why the is that good? He lost his championship hat. Yeah, but then he said afterwards, "I do not condone littering." I tried to find her, but now she's one with the ocean, unfortunately. Okay. That's why I have the captain's hat on, because he did yeah, have that. That part was amazing. Yeah, I mean. they, couldn't, they couldn't find an extra hat. No, I mean, I'm happy just they couldn't. You had the captain hat on all day. But just, I do not condone littering. <laughs> like, it's, it's okay. We saw it just blow up. No one say you just like, you just chucked it, it left off. Uh, Clay let out a massive yawn while Draymond was addressing the crowd yesterday. Uh, he plowed through a fan yesterday. Yeah, he was like, stu- he was like trying to get over to the fan. Yeah. And he was stumbling and then oh, just yeah. 
nailed a, a woman to the <laughs> yeah. ground. Yeah? He uh, he dropped one of his championship <laughs> rings on the street. Like those yeah. are worth you know thousands and thousands of dollars. Priceless. Yeah. Uh, but my favourite part was uh, when he decided to bust out a move with the Larry O'Brien trophy. We have the clip here. He was uh, he, he was strolling along here. He is looking at the time five life. and then he's just like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Let me Why did he do this? Put this down on the ground. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody yell at him to do that? Who cares? Who yeah. knows? It's clay. You never really know what's going on. But man, he was having the time of his life. And he was also in the hot tub, I think, back at the uh, facility there afterwards yesterday. Like, man, what a day we had. So it was great. Clay, I mean, it's just that's a TV show right there. Just follow Clay around. Yeah. And he called out his other two of the big three. He called out Draymond. He said... That guy has the maturity of a third grader. <laughs> and then he called out Curry, who cries on a basketball court. Right, right. Killing it. Killing yeah. it, Clay. These guys, it's just, they know how to do a parade. Like you yeah. said, a million things so, happen. It was, it looks fun. Oh, the most action of a parade. Look, we enjoyed the Raptors parade, watching it from afar. They, Nothing, not, no, no equivalency here of how fun this was. They, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't remember other parades doing this or other championship parades. They flipped it on its head. They did the... Like the let's talk to the crowd prior to then let's jump in the buses mm. and, and make our way down the street here. Hmm. I like that. That's what I think a hundred times better than usually you see they start the parade, then they end with uh, everybody, you know, on stage and talking to the crowd. They, they flipped it Yeah, on well, head. maybe that changed like because that. Draymond tweeted something that they said no one was going to speak. And he was like, maybe I'll just stay in the crib. Yeah. So I, maybe they decided, well, let's all right, let's let him. Speak. Well, I don't know. They did, that's how they did it. I thought it was. I, I saw Fitzy had bars too, and when he was introducing all the players, I don't know if you guys saw that clip. And then uh, Jordan Poole with the uh, Super Soaker, really leaning into the pool party vibe. I like that. He's like grabbed onto that brand. That's smart. This is a it. very water forward team. Between Clay Thompson's uh, boating, the Splash Brothers pool out there spraying everybody. Right. Uh, but I'm with Tass. Like the big thing here is that they took their time. Like this was a lengthy parade. Think about the Atlanta Braves championship parade. It took them three hours to go a mile and a half, the Warriors. Atlanta, they went from Atlanta to Cobb County in like 30 minutes. That was crazy, (laughs) man. So slow it down and we get a whole bunch of great moments Mm. like this. Draymond swearing at people. Steph dropping the mic, hitting the night-night. The announcer having no clue what where, where does night night come from? Did you watch a single game? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. And we had the guy from Workaholics there just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. just hanging. And Blake. Some, <laughs> someone brought their goat along and put a step yeah. yeah. There was that. There was a funny clip I saw uh, some kid uh, proposing to Riley yes, Curry, and it's yes. just a really it's shot really amazing. She yeah. sees it and she seems like she's uh, yeah. uh, a little embarrassed, but yeah. uh, excited and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a lot happening. At some point, Aisha Curry is lifting dead like uh, weights. Did you guys see oh, this? I saw that. Yeah, in the that gym. was at yeah. the parade. I don't know. Yeah, no, just... I, yeah. I'm guessing <laughs> that was... When yeah. was that? that was I'm guessing it was just something in... she did at some point, and that would just well, got she was wearing the same thing. Yeah, she but was... she's been wearing that in the, in <laughs> uh, the clubs true. as well, and she okay. was dry humping the Larry O'Brien trophy. Sure, in, uh, I mean every... one of the clubs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were. They had a party there yesterday. Uh, it looked like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, let's hear from you guys. Any other? Um, moments we're missing it feels like we're missing like another hundred yeah. moments mm, we could have done a whole podcast on just the uh, yeah. things that happened yesterday Steph was lying on the sidewalk doing the night night <laughs> a, a, sh- a shot from you know one of the best players in the world lying on the sidewalk 
amidst everybody doing the night night like sleeping <laughs> on his hands. Oh, there was uh, one thing Steph was doing yesterday was making me laugh. Uh, there's a great photo. He's got the cigar hanging out of his mouth, and then he's holding all of his hardware. Yeah. But he's not holding the Larry O'Brien trophy because I feel like Clay had that yeah. for most of the day. But he's got the Finals MVP. <laughs> yeah. He's got the All Star Game MVP right. trophy, the the Kobe trophy, and then he's got the Magic Johnson Western yeah, Magic Conference Johnson. Finals MVP. <laughs> this guy, I mean, what a team player for the NBA. He's yeah. leaning into like, hey, this means something, and yeah. I'm going to carry it around. I, at first, I was like, what the hell is yeah. that? Why does he have two Finals MVPs? And like, oh yeah, that's what that is. Mm. I like their shirt as well. That was well done. The back again with the IV. Oh the yeah, end. the four. Wow, clever. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, very clever. Did uh, you like uh, Chris Chioza's shirt? Stone yes, Cold oh, yeah, Steve yeah, yeah, yeah. Kerr. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see if Steve Kerr give somebody a stunner. Yeah. <laughs> wow, who would you like to see Steve Kerr give a stunner to? Bielitsa. <laughs> Yeah, well, someone on his own team. I wasn't, ex- I wasn't uh, expecting that. I thought maybe you were gonna go like uh, John Morant or something. There's a lot of beef. Oh uh, the yeah, they're they're really beefing hard with the Grizzlies. Oh yeah, was- I guess they just are like they're picking a young team they've got some history with. They're like, we're gonna need to stay motivated. Yeah, it's over the next yeah, few seasons. Totally. So we're picking a young competitive team. Yep. Yeah, that's that's I I guess anything to get you fired up. Yeah, I think Kirk, doing it. Kirk could give it to Pop. I mean, they're per- perfect rivals, oh, don't man. you think? Yeah, that would be like well, Stone Cold giving it to uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, Curry giving it to retires, Pop. Like, the retirement match. Steve mm. Kerr stuns Popovich, becomes the Spurs coach. Just like that. He has got some beef with Dan Tony, though, Steve Kerr. So maybe that too. Because they're more friendly, I think, Popovich and yeah, Steve of Kerr. Of course. Yeah, you know. Of course. But, but him and Dan Tony, they didn't get along in Phoenix. And, you know, that's had some rivalries of the Rockets as well in the past. So All maybe. right. All that's right. a great question for everybody out there. Who would you like to see... Uh, Stone Cold Steve Kerr give the stunner to. Let us know who and why. All right, let us know in the stream team. Uh, tweet it in your answers if you're listening later at No Dunk Sink. Uh, anything else that you wanted to slip in there from the parade? No, no. Okay. Great day. Great day. Yeah. Great Was day. Indeed. Uh, we'll take our final break here, and when we come back, tweet of the night. Don't go anywhere. It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I got to cut out a bit. I got to switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds? Sure. But maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation? Perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Mm, great cans. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet off. Okay, I got Tweet of the Night duties. Now look, I could have kept this uh, pretty simple if I wanted to and gone with those John Morant and Draymond Green and Grizzlies versus the Warriors type tweets. Could have done that. I could have went with uh, Kevin Durant clapping back at Charles Barkley, that mm. old head who had some things to say about KD. You know, they got going on Again? there. Yeah, I know. Oh. And just happens every couple of weeks for they're sure. Just, maybe they're doing another pod together and trying to build it up. Possibly, you know? possibly. Mm. I, I avoided all of that mm. because I saw a tweet come in this morning, mm. actually. Tweet of the morning. And it's from one, Tass Mellis. Mm. And we got to show this to you here on YouTube. Uh, for our podcast listeners, we are showing you a hat that the MLB has made for the Toronto Blue Jays. And it's disgusting because Tass Mellis tweets, as a dual citizen, I'm in the position to declare, this is hideous. And, uh, well, Tass, how would you describe this hat for the podcast listeners? Uh, it's obviously a Jays hat with just the the stars and stripes incorporated of the American flag. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw a tweet uh, from my friend Gourmet Spud. He said, if Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, was coming out in Toronto and, and screaming USA, USA, I think this would be the hat equivalent. <laughs> Like you know, wow! What a tweet from yeah, Gourmet it's Spud. Like, okay. I, it's, there's no way to say it. It's it's the red and white emblazoned with the stars and stripes. Right. And now they did this for every MLB team. Yeah. Uh, the stars and stripes look. Yeah. So that's but, what's going on. Here. But Canada is not America. <laughs> uh, do, do the other do the other 29 baseball teams have to wear? Canada Day hats? No, they don't. I don't believe so. No. Um, I saw some other great tweets about this, Mr. Michael Lee. I'm offended for you, he responded mm-hmm. to you uh, about this hat. And then, at underscore Scott Johnson tweeted, it's mandatory for us duallys, like you, Tass, mm. to wear this from July 1st to the 4th. <laughs> I don't make the rules. So Canada, Canada Day hits on the 1st, and July 4th, of course, uh, the American holiday, that's the window for this hat. Yeah, I, can, I can't even, what is that? I can't, I mean, I, 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 I don't know how to describe it. It's like the American flag pooped on Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's like bird poop. Uh, a, a bird but like pooped. 90s bird poop. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's yeah. got like the, almost like a solo jazz <laughs> cup kind of vibe. Bird poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually had the same exact thought. This is a hat made for Tass Mellis as a dual citizen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Blue Jays are playing in America on July 4th, so they're going to have to probably wear it there, playing against... Uh, the Oakland A's. I'm a little surprised, though. Apparently, the teams get to pick whether it's a red back or a blue back. <laughs> they chose red. <laughs> They're the Blue Jays. <laughs> Come on. Well, yeah, I guess it's close Wild enough to stuff. Canada Day. Yeah, yeah. I heard JD. I heard a uh, a scoff, a verbal scoff from you when that <laughs> when that image came a up. Verbal scoff. So as a as a Canadian and only a Canadian, <laughs> describe your scoff, please. Oh. uh... Well, you know, I mean, we've seen this sort of design, the Canada and the U- the United States flag come together. I mean, you have one hanging in your garage, and it's... <laughs> oh, yeah, where's the burrito photo? Better. Me and Trey touching burritos in front of that flag. 
I don't. It's very. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan. Maybe it's the red Blue Jays logo. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I it think does that does not could, help. I, I agree no, with that. There's too. It yeah. Gets washed out a little. Yeah. All right. It's gross. Lee, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you find it hideous, like Taft? Uh, I don't find it hideous. Um, Interesting. I, I, you know, I just think um, one thing I noticed about when I moved to Canada for the very first time. I think a lot of people see Canada as just a, an extension of the United States. How dare you? No, I'm, just, I'm just saying that's the sort of perception, <laughs> yes. right? America's hat, if you will. Yeah. I think <laughs> of Australia yeah, just as a Canada's bigger hat. New Zealand, personally. <laughs> no, but it's see, like, I mean, I'm not trying to offend oh, anyone. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. saying, like, like, you know, from living in Europe and Australia, like, people just say, oh, Canada's just like, it's just, Amer- it's just the 51st state of America. Mm. But when you live there, you realise, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> very, very independent. <laughs> very, very independent. And Canadians are very much, we're Canadians. You right. know, we're, oh, we're yeah. not Americans per se. And we're someone Canadians. like you could come into Canada, get trapped wind, yeah. can't fart at the game, yeah, and have to yeah, go to yeah. the hospital. Hey. And uh, look, you're covered, man. Listen, I got hugged at the airport in Canada coming through customs. Remember uh, that that friend? She uh, she saw us. Oh, she's a fan, fan of the show. Oh, yeah. yeah, we got a big hug. So. You know, that's that's a Canadian like stereotype. They're so friendly. They're You've so never polite. been hugged entering the United States <laughs> of America <laughs> by no, a I customs agent. No? I have never felt uh, the need to reach out and say, "Yeah, bro, can we want to hug it out?" No, <laughs> never, never, never. But uh, that's all I'll say. So I can understand why you know people are like, "Listen, we're Canadians." American, you know, United States of America are United States of Americans, <laughs> not Americans. We're not like one, if you know what I mean. We're North Americans. Yeah, North Americans, yes, yes, yes. Oh, North American. Is Mexico, hat. North America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some people say that's where, that's where it starts. It's You're South trying America. to test me? No, I'm just trying saying. To get me in like, trouble. Like some people start it sort of there, but I, who, I always who, does? who starts it. People do. People do. What people? People okay. think people outside of here think America is. Canada and the United States. Okay. And then it's like Latin America starts where, <laughs> right, they, where right. they start speaking oh, Spanish. So, anyway. NAFTA. Punctuation. Let's call it there. Thanks again to uh, John Hollinger, uh, our American friend, for jumping on the show here to talk about the NBA draft. Uh, always great to hear uh, from one of the experts when it comes to this stuff. Looking forward to Thursday night. Email in your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. Tweet them in at nodunksinc. Get yourself an athletic subscription. Now more than ever, you should get one if you really want to, like, brush up on your NBA draft knowledge with John Hollinger, Sam Ficini, all of our great reporters uh, covering the draft. Theathletic.com slash nodunks so they know that we sent you. Uh, I believe there's a great deal still on. I think it's a dollar a month for up to six months. I think that's still popping. I'm never quite sure. It's always a good deal. It's always yeah. a good deal. Even always regular prices. Always a good prices prices deal. Always a good deal. deal. Uh, follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the TikToks at No Dunks Inc. What's going to happen here for your boys is we are going to be off tomorrow and Thursday. No podcast. Unless something big happens. You know? Unless so we'll be back on tomorrow and Thursday. Probably. <laughs> probably. I mean, if the impasse comes to an end. <laughs> yes, definitely. Kyrie would be uh, emergency podcast type material. But unless that doesn't happen, we're going to take tomorrow and Thursday off. JD, you're flying home to the great country. I the am. 51st state. The 51st state. Uh, of Canada. Domestic travel. Right across that border, wearing that hat. <laughs> I can't wait. You're going to hug every customs agent. I'm you hugging come everybody. Everybody's getting a hug from me. So, where are you going? You're heading out east. I'm going to Nova Scotia. That's, oh. the, uh, that's Rachel's family. Oh, there, excellent. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, Exciting. Awesome. So, yeah, JD's headed there uh, later today. So, no show probably on Wednesday, Thursday again. We'll do an emergency podcast if it calls for it. But we will be back. The plan is in the yard at least on Friday to do a little post 
draft recap. Yes. And uh, whatever else is happening in the NBA. So make sure you subscribe to No Dunks here on YouTube or wherever you listen to your No Dunks podcast. All right. Until probably Friday, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, NAFTA. (laughs) (laughs) It actually stands for now a fan of the athletic <laughs> <laughs> or, or or that's good not a fan of the I couldn't find a word Better for hat that starts with A it, it doesn't exist now a fan of the <sighs> not a fan of the uh, ass ugly hat ass ugly hat yeah <laughs> just, just hyphenated the works alright embrace the day people Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.